uh, called me to share with you all. And so, um, as I've been praying through it and just asking God to really do something cool uh, through his word tonight, um, I I really believe that this is one of those messages that could, if we really latched onto it, could really uh, just help us to become more impactful here in the Boston area. And so, um, I I know you guys want to impact Boston, right? I know you want to make a lasting... uh, Mark here on the city, and so I pray that tonight would help in that. And uh, before, we, uh, before we open up in prayer and uh, just kind of focus our hearts in on what God has to say to us, I do want to just do something. I want to point you guys to a few uh, resources. Uh, I've been thinking a little bit about doing this, and, and we have some, some resources that I just want to make you aware of. And so, um, you know, after tonight's message, uh, we're going to kind of move full on into Christmas. And so, kind of put Thanksgiving the holiday behind us, but not the practice, right, behind us, and we'll move full on into to Christmas. And so I want to give you just a few gift ideas, if I can, and um, I, I've, uh, I've told you guys numerous times that, that we really pray that, that this gathering wouldn't be your only source of spiritual nourishment, uh, and for some of you, maybe it's this gathering and, at best, uh, a connection group midweek, and my prayer is that that wouldn't be your only source of spiritual nourishment, but that you would... Uh, be resourced, and we want to help you in that, to, to resource you, to, to really become a, a self-feeder. And so uh, we want to kind of point you to some things. I'll do that now. If you, if you go to our website, maybe some of you have never explored the website a little bit, but it's uh, thecharlesriverchurch.com. And if you go to the website, um, what you can do is you can go to a section on the, on the website that says resources. And then you go to resources, and under resources you have uh, articles, you also have uh, sermons, if you want to catch up on some sermons, but there's also a section called uh, Recommended Reading, and, and you can go on there, and we have uh, just different books that we found really helpful, and, and maybe for you it would be really helpful, just a good resource for it, and you can click on the image of the book, and then it'll take you to Amazon.com, and you can buy it right there, and so maybe for, for Christmas, you know of somebody who could use uh, some kind of resource, and just want to kind of point you there. Um, one of the things you'll see at the top of the recommended readings is the ESV uh, study Bible. And that's, I'm just telling you, from my uh, opinion, that is probably the best study Bible out there. And so maybe some of you want to maybe purchase a study Bible for yourself or for a, a gift for a spouse or a friend or, you know, a, a neighbor. I don't know. If you know somebody who's hungry for the word, it would be a really great gift idea uh, it's probably better than a tie, right? It's better than a, a, an outfit that will be outdated. This is God's word and helping somebody to really study it and, and to grow in it. And uh, so, so be mindful of that. Also, if you go a few, um, few resources down, you'll also find something for children. And this is a resource that I think every family should have in their house. It's called the Big Picture Story Bible. And it is incredible. It is in my opinion, again, my, here's my opinion, but I, I think it's probably the best illustrated children's Bible out there. And then it's also in terms of content. It's not the Bible, right? But it's a children's paraphrase kind of deal. For, for a kid's Bible, it is the, the best overview of the scriptures out there. It is so good that I've been discipling men, and I will bring the kid's Bible from my house and say, here's your assignment. Read this this week and come back. And they read it, and what it does is it gives you this incredible just overview of of the entire Bible, it gives you this really neat picture of Jesus from, from creation all the way through consummation. And so I, I would highly, highly uh, recommend that to you. And again, there's other books on, the, on the, the website there that you want to check out. Another family resource that I'll put up on the screen here for you is uh, this, this new thing that I've recently discovered. It's called The Risers. And it's this, um, it's this rock band, actually, pop rock band called The Risers. And they're actually... Not real people, as you can tell, um, but the Risers is this cool little band for kids that uh, every lyric that they sing is Bible verse, and they actually incorporate the references into the lyrics so that kids can hide God's word in their heart and, and really uh, memorize scripture. So I've already ordered uh, the old album and the new album for my kids for Christmas. I, I was going through it online with my kids, and they were listening to it, and they were like literally within like two minutes quoting some Bible verses from the songs. And so I just want to say it's highly, highly helpful. And who knows, mom and dad, aunt and uncle, grandparents, whatever, you might actually enjoy the music and memorize some scripture yourself as you're uh, pretending to help your kid. You're actually memorizing the the scriptures as well. So I definitely want to encourage you 
uh, in that. And then one more resource, and this isn't anything you have to buy. Um, this is just something you can get for free, so I guess it's not really a Christmas present unless you're really that cheap and you get somebody something for free. You can, here, I, this is a permission, I'll give you permission right now to pull out your phone if you have a smartphone and, and go to your apps. Right now, you're allowed, yes, you're allowed. Go to your apps, and if you type in on your apps, you can type in Bible. And the very first thing that will come up is this Bible right here. It's, it's the, the most popular Bible on the smartphone or the iPad or whatever. And I, I, I cannot encourage you uh, enough to, to get this. Seriously, download it right now. It has just some really incredible, incredible features to help you uh, get, the, get the scriptures into your heart. And um, you'll, you'll notice there are a few different ones. Most of them are free, but this one's the, kind of the top one. And let me just, the next slide here will just kind of walk you through it real quick. You'll notice once you get into there, it's got a few different things. Under Bible right there, you can... Listen, or you can read just about any translation of the Bible you want. You can get it in just about any language that you want. And then this is really cool. For some of you, maybe you're struggling a little bit with reading and comprehending the scriptures. Uh, totally cool. What you can do is you pull up the, the passage you want, and you can click play, and it will read it to you. And so some of you, maybe that, that would just be a really helpful thing. Uh, I do it on the train ride. I meet with Ryan on the North Shore once a week, and so... On that train ride, I put the Bible on play, and I read along, so it's like double comprehension, and so it's really good, and I just want to highly encourage you to that. Maybe you're driving in a car somewhere, you can plug it in to your, your radio, and you can listen to the Bible. It's really cool. Another thing right there under plans is you can go, and it has Bible read-through plans for a year, for six months, for uh, three months. It also has devotionals. It's got the Charles Spurgeon morning and evening devotionals. Right there, it's all for free, and, and then also you see some other things on there that you can do, notes on the bottom corner there. But listen, I, I just really want to help you in this. Um, you know, Psalm uh, 119.11 says, I, I've, I've hidden your word in my heart, God, so that I might not sin against you. And this is just a helpful way to help you um, hide God's word in your heart. And so our heart is, is just to resource you. I know I sound like a uh, you know, home shopping network representative right now, but listen, I, I get no royalties. I just want to help you guys to, to study the scriptures and to grow in, um, in this. I think it's a really powerful resource. And so check out those things. And again, Christmas gifts might be really cool to help out someone you love, maybe uh, for the kids, maybe it's uh, your own child or a niece or nephew or somebody. But look into those. It'd be a really, really cool gift. So uh, why don't we pray, and, and we'll get into the actual message for tonight. God, we are so grateful, um, as always, to, to come and to worship you. And uh, Lord, I just pray that tonight, um, the, the message that you have uh, asked me to share with your people, um, I pray that as, as, I, as I share it, um, Lord, that people wouldn't see me, but they would see you. Uh, they wouldn't hear my opinion, but they would hear uh, your will for their lives from the scriptures. And so, God, for that to happen, uh, would you soften our hearts? Um, would your Holy Spirit just reign supreme in this room? Have your way with us. Lord, illuminate the text that it might just penetrate us uh, to the deepest parts of who we are. God, give me, um, give me clarity as I share and uh, give us hearts that are ready to, to hear and to obey. And so, um, Lord, we, we just commit it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so last Sunday night, if you weren't here, was a really, really cool night for us as a church. Uh, for those of you guys who weren't here, let me just kind of recap for you a little bit. I, I told everybody up front last Sunday night that, that I had known for like a month where I was going with the message for last week. And I had even thought I knew all the way up to like the Friday before. And for some reason, I just had this kind of unsettling, stirring thing going on in my heart where it was like, no, this isn't it. And I'm if you know me, I'm a planner. I'm very much not, not a last-minute kind of guy. And so last minute, I was like, all right, we're not doing that. Um, God kind of made it clear that we needed to, to put a mic up here. And just to let you guys, uh, after a real abbreviated message, let you guys come up and just share and give thanks to the Lord. And, uh, man, by the end of the night, it was definitely clear that, that God knew what he was doing by not letting me uh, share what I thought I needed to share. And... Uh, um, it was really an encouraging night. And so for those of you guys who were so bold to, to share, thanks a lot for that. Uh, for those of you guys who wanted to share and we had to cut it short, um, just give your thanks to the Lord and maybe we'll open up the mic again. But man, it was really encouraging for us as we just kind of reflected back on, on just the past year and the blessings of, 
the Lord. And so last week what we did in, in the, the short little message portion of our gathering was we really focused on, on the why. The why did God command us to, to give thanks? And, and we saw that he commands us to give thanks because one, he's due the honor, and then two, uh, it's for our good. And so we also looked at, at, at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, when, when God says, I give you my commands and my statutes for your good always. So he, he commands us things for our good always. And so when he commands us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that classic Thanksgiving passage, when he says, give thanks in all circumstances, he's saying that we're to do that for our good. Because when we get our eyes on him and we get our eyes on his blessings, it's the best thing for us because we get our eyes off of the trial and the struggle and the difficulty. And we see just how good and great and capable he is in, in those things. And so last week we focused on the why um, of, of God's commandment to give thanks. And, and this week uh, I want us to focus on the why of the blessings. Like why does God bless us anyways? All these things that we've uh, been, been thinking on maybe beyond last Sunday and through the course of this week for Thanksgiving all the blessings we've just been, we're thankful for. Why does he even give those things to us? And so let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we'll do uh, 1, 2, and 3 uh, tonight. And as always, you can grab one of the Bibles on your way in. I think there may be some on the seats in here. And if you don't have one of your own, please keep that. We'd be glad for you to have that as our gift to you. But uh, while you're turning there, Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3, um, I'll tell you a little story uh, that for me in my life was, it was just this huge turning point for me. Uh, I was a senior in high school, and I, I started this friendship that changed my life forever. I mean, it really was for me a, a, just a, a big turning point. Uh, I, I remember driving uh, down kind of the main drag in Atlanta, where I'm from, uh, driving down the main drag in my city, and just for whatever reason, just turned off the, the road and... Uh, pulled into this area that we call the projects where I'm from, right, uh, a.k.a. the hood, right? It was low-income housing, and uh, I remember finding myself kind of driving around this, this circle and uh, just kind of looking around, just kind of checking things out. Probably did a couple laps, you know, uh, around the, the apartment complex and just, you know, observing people that are just a lot different than me and the way I grew up. And I eventually kind of get around the, the far side of the circle and there's this park there. And I remember at the park, uh, I looked down, and there's this one little kid walking along. And I don't know what, what was in, in my mind, but I pulled the car over and uh, got out of my car, reached into the, the back seat, and grabbed a football. And listen, I don't play football, but there was a football in there. And it's probably of the Lord. I don't know if he, like, teleported it in. But it was my brother's football, so he probably, you know, it, it probably wasn't divine. The ball was there. But it was there. And so I go down. Too much information, right? I go down into the park, and I have the football. And I, I go up to this little kid. I'm like, hey, man, what's, what's your name? And he goes, my name's Josh. I'm like, yeah, me too. Cool. And he was like this big. I'm like, how old are you? He's like, I'm nine. I'm like, me too. Just kidding, bro. I'm 17. He looked at me like, you're the biggest nine-year-old I've ever seen, right? And so I said, you want to throw the football? And he was like, yeah, yeah. So we, Josh and I just started to, to, to throw the football and, and just started talking. And this kid absolutely loved it. I mean, we were just like, it was amazing for him. You could just see his eyes just went all bug-eyed while he's throwing the football back and forth with me. And I remember Josh starts to tell me a little bit about his family. He told me he lives with his grandma, Sadie. And uh, he told me that his great-grandma lives in, in their house, and she doesn't really talk. She's just in a hospital bed in the house. And uh, I remember talking with him about his siblings. He had four other siblings. Later on, as the relationship kind of grew, I, I came to learn that uh, of his four siblings, five kids total, every kid had a different dad, same mom. Uh, the last two, Josh and his sister, were, were crack babies, and... Uh, Man, it was just a really special time for me, life-changing little conversation with Josh in the park. Fast forward a couple days, I remember going home and just thinking, that was so cool. I mean, I just met this kid and just hung out, and it was easy. You know, I just talked with him, and he lit up, but man, my heart was probably triple what was going on in his heart. I was just blowing up inside. And so a few days later, I said, i got to go back. And I go back, this time I brought a kickball. And hanging out in the projects again and got Josh at his apartment. His siblings came out. A bunch of neighborhood kids came out. We played a roaring game of kickball. It was awesome. 
I, I mean, I annihilated these little elementary school kids. It felt so good. It was the only kids I, actually, I could probably actually beat. And, and then I remember, you know, fast forward a couple more days, I call up some of my buddies. I'm like, guys, we've got to play some kickball. And they're like, what? Kickball? These are seniors in high school. You know, some of them were moving on to college and bigger, better things. I'm like, it's kickball time, baby. And so I get all my friends and, and a lot of my friends, and we get together, and we start to play kickball with these kids and it just kind of grew and grew and we started a little summer camp and by the end of the summer it got to the point where I could probably go into like 25% of the apartments in this housing complex and just sit down not just with the kids but with the parents and got to the point where I could just kind of share you know as scripture says the reason for the hope that is within me I got to share Jesus with people it was just a really incredible summer that just changed my life and for me that summer I realized that I could relate with anybody. You know, I, 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 could just, I could just care about somebody, look at their eyes and just kind of show them that I care. And, and I was able to relate with anybody. And it wasn't anything in, in and of myself. It was just talk to them, show them the love of Jesus, and you can connect, you can relate. I mean, Josh and I had really nothing in, in common. He was nine, I was 17. He was black, I was white. His family struggled financially. My family did all right, right? He lived in a a two-bedroom apartment with like 10 people. I lived in a five-bedroom house with five people, right? He he, uh, spoke Ebonics, right? I spoke white boy, you know what I mean? And so we just had very little in common, but just caring for him, talking to him, you kind of get the picture. It just, it was was really just that easy, just showing that I, I care. And, uh, you know, really at the core of it, Josh and I, though we had nothing in common, we had a lot in common. We had the most important things in common, that, that Jesus valued him, just as Jesus had shown his value in my life, that Josh needed Jesus because of his sin, just like this Josh needed Jesus because of, of my sin, that Jesus offered forgiveness and restoration to Josh, just like he had uh, to me, and and, and, and really, this is the story of every single person on the planet, right? That every single person needs Christ, and Christ offers hope to them. And as I reached out that summer, man, everything for me just, it just clicked. I mean, things just started clicking. And, and, and man, when I started to invest in Josh and his, his friends and in his family and other families there, I just started to realize this is what it's all about right here. This is what it's all about, that God had given me life. And now he wants me to help pass that life on to, to, to other people. And, and I'll tell you, I never felt so alive in my faith as I did when I started to, to share with other people and start to pour out to other people. And I believe that's probably true for probably every other Christian on the planet. And, and probably many of you in this room that you're like, you know what? Faith kind of seems stagnant right now. I'm even coming to church. I'm being poured into um, maybe you're going to a Bible study or connection group or something else and it just kind of seems stagnant right now. And let me ask you, are you pouring out at all? I mean, where, where are you pouring out? And I'll tell you this, when you start to pour out, you start to take what has been poured into you from the Lord and you start to give it away, things start to click and you're no longer stagnant because you take the blessings that God has given you, the blessings that we've been saying we're thankful for, and we start to release those, and things start to click, and your faith comes alive. And this, this concept is seen all throughout the Bible, but let's, let's look at it as seen here in Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3. So let's read it. Here's what it says. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, in, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is a really important passage historically, and this is a really important passage for our Christian living. And so let's start by looking at it historically, and then later on in the message we'll get into the um, passage as to how it relates to us today in our Christian uh, living. This is historically the call of Abram, who we now know God changes his name to Abraham. And this is a huge turning point in the book of Genesis, and this is a huge turning point really in 
in early history that, that really changes the course uh, of history. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you know the story, right? God creates the world. He creates um, all that we know. He creates man and, and, and woman, and he calls us to exercise dominion over the, the creation, to steward it well for his glory and for our joy and enjoyment. And then in Genesis chapter 3, things go south. You know the story, right? Uh, Adam and Eve fall into sin. Uh, scriptures say that sin enters the world through one man, and as a result of that one man's uh, sin, the, the world goes corrupt. And though we're all ultimately sinners individually, it really is kind of like this DNA thing that just started right then and there. And things go bad fast, right? You read through Genesis chapter 3, uh, Noah, the flood, you got the Tower of Babel. It's just, it's not good. It goes bad really, really fast. But here, in, in Genesis chapter 12, um, 1, 2, and 3, God begins to just really show his plan. Here's how I'm going to restore mankind. And God just kind of in the middle of all this chaos and craziness and rebellion, God speaks up. And, and he speaks to this man, Abram. And so God begins to say, here's how I'm going to restore things. Here's how I'm going to make all this junk right. And God declares, Abraham, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour out divine blessing on your life. I'm just going to dump it upon you, right? And, and so as we look through these three verses, you, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you want to even go through and circle all the times that bless or blessing shows up, just bless, 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 blessing, blessing, blessing. It's all over the place. God's saying, I'm going to lavish my blessings upon you. Look at some of the blessings with me. Uh, in verses uh, two, through three, 2 through 3, here's the blessings. One, he says, I'll make you a great nation. And sure enough, uh, from Abram, um, man, God raises up this, this great nation, the, the people of Israel. He gives Abram um, Isaac. He gives him Isaac, though his wife Sarah was clearly barren in her old age. She has, she has Isaac. Uh, from Isaac, there's Jacob and Esau. And then from Jacob, Jacob fathers the, the, the 12 sons or the 12 tribes of Israel. And the nation is born. God fulfills his, his promise. I'm going to make you a great nation. God also declares to to Abram here. He says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. And so you read the story. It is clear this, this guy is blessed, right? It is like this dude is untouchable, right? He is blessed. It goes on. I mean, you can even see here we are today. We're talking about him. We're learning of him. His name's in the Bible. His name's later in Hebrews 11, right? His name is, is great. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And so that's why today I think it's so important for us and our nation to be very careful to protect and to honor Israel because of what we stemming from what we see right here that, that if you dishonor Israel, it doesn't go good for you. And so we honor Israel, right? And, but it's crazy how Abraham, you, you go through the rest of the story, he just, this guy keeps messing up. He just makes some really bad mistakes. But in spite of that, God's blessings just keep coming. They just keep coming on this guy's life like twice this this dude lies about his wife twice and tells people she's my sister <laughs> because he knows he's got a fine looking wife right he knows that she is very attractive and so what he would do is he would tell the kings as he would kind of travel he would tell the kings uh she's my my sister because he knew that what would happen is they would then say oh beautiful woman she's not and I'm married, so we'll take her into my, my harem. And, and basically what the guy's doing is prostituting out his wife for his protection. Because, oh, now she's in. We've got to take care of her brother, right? And this guy, I mean, what a scumbag, right? Just some serious, serious mistakes. I mean, he didn't even need to do that. He had God's protection on his life laid out right here. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever dishonors you, I will curse. But yet this guy takes some, some bad moves and, and does this uh, to his wife, among other things. Yet, despite his foolishness, God still just keeps blessing him, just dumping his blessings upon him. What's up with that, right? Why, why would God do that? Why would God bless such a, such a man who, who makes mistakes like this? Is it because he earned the blessings? Clearly, he didn't earn the blessings, right? It was because... God had a plan, right? You can't thwart God's plan. God knew what he was going to do, and not even Abram could, could mess it up. And God's plan wasn't simply about Abraham. 
God's plan uh, and his blessings were not just about this one guy, but they were, they were so much deeper and so much further into history that he couldn't even see. And his plan was, I'm going to bless others, Abraham, through my blessing uh, of you. And what would happen is he would raise up from Abraham's people, tribe of Israel, he would raise up the Messiah. He would raise up uh, the Savior of the world, the one who pulls us out of darkness, who, who rescues us from the grip of Satan and sin and death. He would raise up Jesus from his, his line. So, so look at verse 2 again. God says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. Why? Why is God blessing Abraham? It's not because he earned God's favor. It's not because he was a gifted guy, like he was capable of the leadership. He's blessing him, it says here, so that you will be a blessing. I'm blessing you so that you will be a blessing so that you can pour out the blessing that I've given you upon other people. And, you know, that's what sets our faith, our Christian faith, apart from, from all others. Is, is that, you know, stretching all the way back from the, the beginning of the Bible and, 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 and all the way back there, it's that God gives us what we don't deserve. I mean, that's what grace is, when you get what you don't deserve, what you didn't earn. And, and if we got what we deserved, we would get death, and death eternally seems harsh, but we've offended an infinitely holy God. And so when we do that, we get death and death eternally. But God, in His love and compassion, gives us what we don't deserve. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it's, a, it's one of those, you've got to memorize kind of verses. Uh, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not as a result of your work, so that no one can boast, right? You can't boast. You've been given uh, life because of God's grace and your faith, you trust in, in that. We don't do anything to earn God's favor, nor did Abram. He just looked at God with faith, with trust in what God said he was going to do, and when God said go, he said, all right, and he goes. He says, Go, verse 1, to a land that I will show you. I don't even know where that is. You just, you just go. If you want to fast forward a little bit to Hebrews uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. Here's what it says, Hebrews 11, 8, 9, and 10. It says, by faith, there's that faith again. It wasn't him earning anything. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So he didn't even know where he was going. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So there's faith, looking to what God is going to do, and just stepping out and saying, God, I trust you, I trust you, you say your blessings are on my life, I'm just going to go. And so, there it is historically. There, there's kind of what we've been talking about historically, that God blesses Abram, though he doesn't deserve it. Rather, um, um, he, he blessed him so that, verse 2, he could be a blessing, and verse 3, so that in him all the families of the earth uh, would be blessed by Jesus. And so God blesses Abraham um, so that he could bless the world through Abram. So there it is his, historically. But why do we study history? Remember this? You remember your social studies teacher, fifth grade? She said, here's why we study history class. Because history repeats itself, right? We can learn from, from history. And so um, we, can, we can learn from what's going on here. And we can really snag some powerful, important principles for our, our Christian life. One, we know that we get the Savior from Abram. And so God blesses him, not because he earned it, but because he wanted to use Abram to bless other people. But let's, let's look at some principles that really apply today to us in our Christian life life aside from just the historical obvious uh, implications here and uh, we have a couple of them here here's here's principle number one we get it very clearly god blesses you so that you can be a blessing right god blesses you so that you can be a blessing and so last week we had a mic up here people stood up here and started to share here's how god has blessed me I want to give thanks to God, and I was even listening to the podcast this, this morning just to kind of be refreshed on some of the things, and, and some of the things we shared is, is I want to thank God for uh, a church family, I want to thank God for my immediate family, I want to thank God for my friends, I want to thank God for uh, the provision of a job, I thank God for just the ability to connect 
with, with people in a city that's big and easy to get lost in. I want to thank God for new life in Christ. I want to thank God that, that he never gave up on me, that I was so relentless in my rebellion, but he, he never gave up on me. I want to thank God for godly examples. We just shared all kinds of great things that, that we want to thank God for, that, that God has, has blessed us with. And, 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 and I would imagine that over the course of this, this past Thanksgiving week that you probably thought of other things that you want to thank God for. And, and so from this principle, now here's the obvious question. God has blessed us now. How are we going to share those blessings with, with other people? And so here's where we need to get our minds for, for, for the next little while. Is we need to get our minds to, to thinking about how can we share our blessings. When God's no doubt blessed every single one of us, how can we, how can we share it? So God's given you godly examples. How can you be a godly example to other people? Like God has given you a church family. Now, now who can you be family to? Who, who do you know that, that is disconnected and, and you can take them in and be family to them? God's given you financial security. He's given you a job, and, and he's provided for you. Now, how can you use those means that God has given all of us to further his mission? God has, has given us new life in Christ. Who do you know that, that is, is stuck in sin and needs new life in Christ? God has never given up on you. Who, who, who's living their life just thinking, God's given up on me? And you can say, no, he hasn't. Here's my story. How can you take the blessings that God has poured on your life and begin to share them with other people. You have been blessed so that you can be a blessing. It's far too common in the Christian faith for us just to kind of be cups of God's blessing. Right? Like, thank you, God, for the blessing. Just, just fill me up with the blessing. But we never share the blessing. And so what happens? It's like that coffee cup that, that I always have a coffee on my, on my desk in my office. And you come back the next morning and it's like halfway, you know, halfway, you know, drink, and, and so it's kind of gross, and it's stagnant and nasty, right? What happens when we just take the blessing and don't do anything with it? It just becomes stagnant, right? Our faith, uh, contrary to my story that I shared about this little man, Josh, our, our faith becomes stagnant. But once we start to pour out and to, to, to share the blessings that God has given us, things, things just start to move. Things start to come alive. You start to really get a, a sense that, hey, this is incredible. God's blessed me, and I can pour those out on other people. And so we shouldn't be just cups of God's blessing. We should be funnels of, of God's blessing. We've been blessed so that we can bless others. And if we as a church can latch onto that in, in this, this early days of, of, our, of our history, there's no limit to how God can, can minister to Boston through us. You've heard it said, I'm sure numerous times, that to whom much is given, much is required. You know, before JFK said it, Jesus said it in Luke, to whom much is given, much is required. So principle number one, God blesses you, he has blessed you, so that you can be a blessing. And so let's start to get our minds there. How can we be a blessing? Here's principle number two. Principle number two is this. Blessings are meant to be shared, not compared. Blessings are meant to be shared, not compared. So here's what can happen, and especially during this, this Christmas season that we're, we're entering into, uh, we, can, we can quickly fall into um, comparing our blessings, right? And not sharing our blessings, but really saying, all right, look at them, look at them. You break in the, uh, the, the Ten Commandment, thou shalt not covet, right? Kind of looking at what everybody else has and and, and you want it. And Christmas is just kind of this greenhouse for discontentment. It just kind of, man, it just breeds discontentment. And, and it's not just the material possessions, right? During Christmas season especially, it's, it's so many other things that we can find ourselves discontent uh, about and, and coveting in other people's lives. Maybe it's, it's that family's ability to give really nice, good gifts to their, their kids. It, it could also be that they have their family around for the holidays, and, and I don't. And you start to covet their blessings, or they have the ability to travel to see family or to do something special for the season, and, and, and I don't. Or they have parents who are, are deeply involved in their grandkids' lives, and I wish my kids had those kind of grandparents. And, 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 and especially during this time of year, if you've lost somebody close to you, somebody that you love, it becomes really difficult, right, around the holidays. And... and and be very careful not to let that uh, lead you into to sin. Rather, uh, generosity is the antidote 
to covetousness, right? Start to give. It's, it's really the antidote um, to covetousness. And so blessings aren't meant to be compared and look at everybody else's, but they're meant to be shared and, and, and to pour them out on, on other people. Another thing that we can covet, not just during the Christmas season, but really all year long as, as members of a body, the church, is, is, is we, can cover we can covet spiritual gifts. I know that person's spiritual gift and that person's spiritual gift, and I really want that spiritual gift. I want the gift of leadership. I want uh, that, and, and we can covet that, and we can want that, and we have to understand that, that God has blessed us all differently so that, as we've been looking in our, our past series, as we've been looking at, so that we can share those and, and, and minister to each other. I mean, if we all had the same gifts, this would be a very boring place. If we all had the same gifts, this would also be a very chaotic place, right? We're different on purpose so that we can share our, our, our gifts. And so when we're, when we're generous with the gifts and the blessings, even the spiritual gifts that God has, has given us, guess what happens? We all get to reap the benefits. Right? We all get those gifts given to us in, in some way. And so man, I, I just pray that we would, we would really latch onto this, that we would stop comparing and saying, I want, I want, I want, I want, but... I have, I have, and how can I pour that out on somebody else and then they can exercise their gifts and their blessings and pour them out on me. And when you start to do that, you're no longer stagnant, but things start flowing and start clicking. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Let me give you some closing thoughts here. Um, how do we do it? So how do we do it, right? How do we share? Because it's one thing to leave church and say, yeah, that's right, I'm going to share my blessings. I know my blessings and now I'm going to, going to share them. It's, a, it's another thing to actually do it, right? It's another thing to actually say, all right, let's, let's share them. Here's what I found. As, as I've you know, gotten to know people, and this has even proven true in, in my own life time and time again, is that most of us are maxed out. We have zero margin in our lives at all. Like, you know, I'd like to bless somebody else. I'd like to, to give in some form or fashion, but I'm just maxed out. I, I just can't. We're maxed out financially. We're maxed out in our time. We're maxed out in our commitment to things. And, and, and you know, since we've been in the Old Testament tonight, let's, let's look at just one more Old Testament passage. You don't have to turn there. Uh, we'll just put it up on the screen for you. This is Leviticus 19. Uh, Leviticus 19. I'll read to you um, 9 and, and 10. Leviticus 19, uh, 9 and 10. Um, this is... Uh, this is really good. Um, actually, I'll just read to you verse 9. Uh, it says this. When, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after the harvest. If you want, you can, you can mark verse 10 and just kind of study. That whole section is really, really cool about loving your neighbor as yourself. But we've been, we've been looking at the call of, of Abram. And God goes on, he fulfills his promise, he makes a nation of them, he gives them the land of, of, of Cana, and, and, and now he begins to give them laws for the land. Here's what I want you to do as you're living in the land. And, and, and this particular law is really cool, I think it's just kind of indicative of, of, of how we live out the principles here. Um, if you were a farmer, you would, you would plant your crop, and then when, when harvest comes around, uh, what this is saying is you, you harvest your, your crop, but you leave the edges, right? So if you just have a square here, you leave the, the outer edges, and you leave those there for those people who are in need so that they can come along the road and they can, can glean from it. They can, they can take from, from the edges, whether it's wheat, they can take it and do what they need to do with it. If it's grapes that have fallen, uh, verse 10 says they can, they can take the grapes and they can, they can eat those. I mean, this is a beautiful picture of God's compassion and God's provision. This is biblical welfare. It, it's, it's done well. It's done right. And, and so this is how God provided for the immigrant, the refugee, the asylum seeker, the, the poor, the orphan, the, the, the widow. And, and it's so cool just to see that God builds into his system provisions uh, for, for those who are, who are in, in need. And, and notice whose responsibility is it to provide for these people? Who is the law for? The law was for God's people. The law was for his followers. And, and so today, that's us. It's, it's for us that we are called to provide for those in 
need. And, and we're not held to this, this law anymore. We are now bound to the law of Christ. And, and so be very careful in that. But I think the principle really stands today for, for all of us that we as a church should be the first people to step up and say, how can we meet needs? We should have a, a tight grip on Jesus and his word and a loose grip on our stuff and our possessions. We should say, I'm all about Jesus, but my stuff, it's a gift from him. How can, I, how, can I, how can I help? And I understand we're in the city. You know, unless I'm, I'm mistaken, I don't think there's any farmers in, in the room here. Unless, you know, got like an herb garden on your windowsill or something. I don't know. But uh, listen, here's what it says. Here's the principle. Leave margin in your life. Leave room in your field of, of life so that you might provide for other people. In other words, leave some edge right? Leave some, some financial edge, leave some time edge, or leave some resource edge. Maybe for many or most of us, figure out how can I not leave because I don't have any to leave. Maybe it's how can I create or, or begin to set myself up so that eventually we're going to get there, right? So that I will have some financial edge and some time edge and some commitment edge and some, some resource edge. And so financially, let me just kind of walk you through it quickly. Christians, the the, the, this is not like the, the pastor's favorite thing to preach on, right? But Christians, the Bible, I think, is very clear that, that we are to give to God's mission. We are to give to the mission of the church. I think the principle from the, the Old Testament is that we are to be working towards a tithe, which is a tenth of, of our income, to, to support God's, God's mission and, and God's, God's kingdom work. And so that means that for us as a Christian, when the, when the baskets come by, we should be thinking, okay... I, God has given me what he's given me, not just for myself, but so that I can further his mission. And it seems crazy to the world that we would even, even, even do a tenth. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. But listen, this stuff is not our own. It's God's, and so he calls us to do that. That means that, that for us as a new church, we did a lot of work to raise funds to, to get this thing off of the ground. But we're approaching one more year, and we are flying solo, baby. We are on our own, and so we have to step up. And we have to get there so that we can continue doing what we're doing and serving the Lord and serving his kingdom purposes here in, in West Boston. And so that means we have to step up and begin to say, yes, I'm going to work towards creating margin so that I can give to the mission of, of the Lord. I think it's very clear in the Scripture. My family does it. It is not easy, but, but we do it. And, and we, we give a percentage that you know, seems crazy to the rest of the world, but I think... It's, it's God's call to all of his followers because the money is not our own. It's, it's, it's his, and this world is not our final home, and so we can't take any of this stuff uh, with us. And, um, and I would also say that, that we also need to be careful uh, to, to try to create margin financially to support other people. Like as a, as a church, we're going to seek to support other people, but I also think that as individuals, we have to start to work towards margin so that we as individuals can support other people and care for other people. And so financially, I think we have to work there. It's not easy, but we're pursuing that, right? You're working towards it and, and maybe developing a plan and, and how can I work towards creating margin? Here's another one. How about time? Man, I know that we are maxed out on time, but we have to start to create some, some time edges so that we can, we can serve other People. It's so easy to just get maxed out on various commitments and commit to so, so many things that we don't have any time to serve other people. And that might mean you have to drop a couple of pastimes. You have to not have my show and like five of them, right? You might have to drop that, right? Um, because you know what? You, you realize that investing time into people is a lot more important than investing time in the YMCA or, you know, Gold's Gym or whatever it is that you do, right? I, I want to be about people so that when somebody calls you, and they're like, listen, can we hang out? It's clear that they're hurting. You're like, well, let me look at my calendar. Yeah, three months. Yeah, I'm booked out three months, but let's put it on the calendar. No, we, we create time, margin, edge, so that we can really bless other people in that way, so that we can help people, meet with people, care for people. How about our resources? And this is, We're not just talking money here. Um, you look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, as we did a few weeks back, and, and it was abundantly clear that they shared their resources with each other. When you look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says that, that no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but that they had everything in 
common. Everything in common? What does that look like? Communism? What is that? No, everything in common means that, listen, what's mine is not mine, it's God's. If I got a pickup truck, all right, I can help you move. You can borrow my truck. You got an extra room in my house. You're in between apartments. You got put in a bind. Sure, you know, it, will it inconvenience me? Yeah. But you know what? I, I've been blessed, and I want to bless you, right? It may mean practicing hospitality. It may mean, uh, I mean, like countless other things. But the, the key word here in all of this stuff is stewardship. Stewardship. That means that you are a manager of God's stuff. The manager of Starbucks doesn't own Starbucks, right? He, he's a manager. He, he is working it, right? He's trying to be a good steward. We're good stewards of God's stuff. And so he's entrusted it to you. How can you be a good steward? So we need to start to work towards creating the edge in our lives. And, and, and one other thing is that we, our edges have to grow. Because many of us, you know, you hear these edges and you're like, check, check, check. And, and it's good just to kind of autopilot. I, I got some edge there and there and there. But we need to really work towards, you know what? I want to grow sanctification, right? Grow in holiness. How can my edges grow a little bit, right? How can I continue to give more and give more to, to God's purposes and God's people and, and his mission? How can I serve uh, greater and, and, and seek to grow those edges? I promise you, you know, when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, nice car, man. Well done, good and faithful hot rod driver. He's not going to say that, right? You can't bring that stuff with us. So maybe it means lower your standard of living a little bit, right? This is crazy. This stuff seems so radical to the world. And God did something radical. He, he nailed his son to a cross for us. And so I don't think it really is all that much in the end. And so let your margins grow. Free up some edge. And, and I want you to notice something about, about the field. You think about the field, and you think about your field. What happens as your edges start to grow? Your portion in the center starts to shrink, doesn't it? And it kind of sounds a little bit like what John the Baptist said in, in John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, he must increase, and I must decrease, right? And so this, this seeking to bless others and continue to grow in my ability uh, and, and my margin to bless other people I think really should be a mark of us as, as Christians. We've been so blessed. God has rescued us from the grip of Satan and sin and death. That is eternal, heavy, heavy stuff. We've been so blessed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says that, that he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And what else is there? We have Jesus, right? We have every spiritual blessing. And, and you know, even if you want to go tangible... In this room, the poorest among us is filthy rich compared to the majority of the world. The fact that we have indoor plumbing and four walls in our apartment means that we are filthy rich compared to the rest of the world. God has given us friends and family and faith and finances and freedom. He has blessed us. He has deeply blessed us. And so let's turn those blessings into to, to blessings for other people. We've been blessed so that we can bless we're not, to, we're not to compare and say, what but him, but her? Well, I wish I had that one. I don't like mine so much. And we say, no, God's got this plan for me. Like he had a plan for Abram. Like he has a plan for my friend here, my, my cousin, my, my coworker. He's got their plan, but he's got a plan for me, and he's given me what he's given me so that I can bless other people. And so I'm in. I want to do it. I want to serve the Lord, and I want to bless other people. I heard a, one of my pastors, I have a couple guys that I would consider these guys are my pastors, one of my pastors, I was listening to a sermon uh, this week, and he just was talking about his church, and I thought it was a really good analogy for us as a church. He says the church is kind of like a, an aircraft carrier. And it's the big boat that it goes out to sea, and uh, my father worked on one of these in, in the Navy. He's got the boat that goes out to sea, and on top of it, you've got the fighter jets, right? He says it really hasn't fulfilled its mission until those jets are actually deployed off of the boat, Right? And so as a church, you know, we, we, gathering like this is great, and it honors God, and it edifies us, but we really haven't fulfilled our mission until we, we deploy out of here. One, one thing we often say is that we gather weekly so that we can scatter. So we gather, Hebrews says that we get 
fueled up. We spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We, we, we think on the blessings that God has given us, and we, we praise him for it. We encourage each other with it. But we gather so that we can scatter and go bless the world. And so that's, that's the call tonight is we want to send you out, right, on a mission to go bless the world, to do what God has called us to do, to take our blessings and to turn them into praise to God and, and, and to life change as we bless other people. And so I just want to leave you with that. I pray that you begin to now say, okay, how, how can I create margin? How can I begin to bless other people? And let my edges grow. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we know that your word is true. We know that your word is hard. But we also know that your word is your best for us, for our good always. We know that it is for our good when we bless other people. But God, in in, in the beauty of your plan, it's this, this double blessing that we're blessed and other people are blessed. That our faith comes alive and people's needs get met. And people come to know Jesus. And so, God, I pray that we would be this kind of people. We thank you for all the blessings that you've poured out on us. As we kind of turn the corner from this this Thanksgiving season, Lord, I pray that uh, it wouldn't stop us from being a thankful people. And I pray that as we move into the Christmas season where we're all about giving, that it would turn us into a generous people. And we would bless other people. God, more than anything, we are so thankful for Jesus. Incredible gift. You have changed our lives. You have reached down into our world, become one of us, took on the, the life that we live. You, you relate with us. You were tempted in every way we are, yet you were without sin. So you didn't deserve death, but you willingly laid down your life because greater love has no one than this that would lay down his life for his friends. Thank you for that love. Thank you for that substitution that we, we trust in you can be made right. So God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room, even tonight, that doesn't know Jesus, never trusted in, in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus to make them right with you, to pay the penalty for their sin as their substitution, Lord, would you just stir their hearts. May they not even be able to sleep tonight until they trust in Jesus and place faith in him. Thank you, Lord. Commit every single person in this room, Lord, grow us. Help us to take that next step towards living out your plan, your mission for our lives and for your world. In Jesus' name.